to Sharper Iron. Spend the next hour with us studying the living and active Word of God. His two-edged sword of law and gospel, recorded for you in Holy Scripture, all about Jesus Christ, crucified, risen, and ascended for you. Thanks for tuning in this morning here on Worldwide KFUO. Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. I'm your host, Pastor Timothy Apple of Faith Lutheran Church in Godfrey, Illinois. Thank you to the generous underwriters of Sharper Iron, the Lutheran Church Extension Fund, where your investments help support the work of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Visit lcef.org for more information. And Luther Classical College, a college for Lutherans by Lutherans, opening in fall 2025. Learn more at lutherclassical.org. On this Monday, September 11th, we are studying Leviticus chapter 13, verses 1 to 59. In today's text, the Lord gives Moses and Aaron instructions for the way that priests will distinguish between clean and unclean for skin diseases on a person's body and within a piece of clothing. To help us sharpen our faith in Christ as we study God's Word today, we have with us the Reverend Dr. Brian Kachelmeyer. Pastor Kachelmeyer serves as a teacher for Wittenberg Academy. Pastor Kachelmeyer, welcome to Sharper Iron. Hey, it's great to be here. So as we get started today, Pastor, give us some context. Talk to us about the book of Leviticus. What should we know about the book? What's been going on in the book that'll help us with chapter 13? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, you, you have the five books of Moses, and this is one is uh, the book that is overlooked, uh, Leviticus, because it talks about a lot of the ceremonial laws. And that's going to be the issue with being a priest, a son of Aaron, uh, in the priesthood that God himself has established. Now, of course, when we talk about the priesthood in the Old Testament, we're always talking about the understanding of a mediator uh, between God and his people at the sanctuary, at the tabernacle, or later on, of course, at the temple, at the place where God promises to be present, which is always going to point to Christ, who is the true mediator, the true priest, the true high priest. And so when we see Aaron and his sons, we see a depiction of what Christ is to be, that Christ is the one who gives us that access to the Father uh, in the Holy Spirit. And the whole book of Leviticus is then has to do with being in God's uh, promised presence, uh, being part of liturgical life of the church, where you have the assurance of the forgiveness of sins and salvation uh, that is won and worked by God himself. So it's not something that we have done to make ourselves sanctified, to holyify ourselves, uh, as if holyify is a word, but uh, we do not make ourselves holy before God. God alone is holy, and he's the one who makes us holy. And so he does this with his works, his activities, and this promise. And so when we see the priest, the priests are assuring us of this, this presence we have with God uh, because of sin, we have been separated from God. So a lot of this in this chapter in particular, 13, dealing with skin diseases, is dealing with the issue of sin, the fallen creation, and actually, literally, bodies that are falling apart, because sin infects us in our bodies, sin infects us in our lives, and sin prevents us from having access to God. So we're looking at the body itself, the body that is being decaying, uh, leading us towards death, which of course means that if, with these skin diseases in chapter 13, we're already looking at the decaying of the body while the body is still living. I mean, something that's supposed to happen when we die, when the body goes back into the ground, it decays. But now, of course, you have a situation where the, the death itself is taking over while we're still living in this body. 
And that, of course, is always pointing us to the need of the Holy Incarnation, where God himself takes upon flesh and blood. He tabernacles amongst us, and he's the one who takes his sin upon himself so that by his wounds we would be healed. And so we're looking at this as these, these wounds in the body itself, uh, but ultimately it points to the need of a Savior who would save us from our wounds in the body by his wounds in his body. Uh, so I think that's kind of the, the picture of what we want to see in Leviticus is the priesthood that God himself institutes, which is always going to point towards the person and work of Christ. Mm. So with that thought that skin diseases are death on the way, the body starting to, to decay before death has actually come in its fullness, is that the reason that it's skin diseases singled out particularly? I mean, of all the, the diseases that the Lord could have called unclean, he chooses skin diseases. I don't know that there's other diseases that really come up in the book of Leviticus that have to do with clean-unclean. Is that thought of the, the decay, the death on the way, perhaps the reason for skin diseases as being singled out as unclean? Yeah, and so here's the key here, is we're not just talking about any skin disease, okay? We're not just talking about a rash or an itch or something like a scab, uh, something that's going to be healed up. But in particular, this is something where the skin itself is decaying. I mean, something where death itself is actually being manifest in the body before, prior to actually being put into the ground. So there's something different and unique here about these skin diseases, and that's why you have to go before the priest. So the priest himself would kind of look at these, examine, uh, and he would identify these symptoms. Is this actually a skin disease that is decaying the body? Or is this just some other type of a skin, you know, uh, imperfection itself? So it's not just merely imperfections in the body on the skin, but it's specifically skin that's kind of rotting away, skin that's a laceration, skin that's eating away, that's tearing apart, that's coming apart, that's decaying. And so that's, that's showing a different type of situation, which ultimately uh, points to the consequences of original sin. Um, so it, the, the issue is not... Did this person do an actual sin that caused this skin disease itself? But it's just being in the state of our sinful condition in this fallen world where everything's falling apart, and here literally the, the body's falling apart. All right, so we've, we've got that, that context in mind. Again, we're dealing with that distinction between clean and unclean, which was the distinction that we read about in chapters 11 and 12 in the previous episode when it came to the matters of what you can and can't eat. When it came to a woman after childbirth, now we're talking about skin diseases, clean and unclean. Can you just remind us a little bit about what that distinction entails, clean and unclean, and what the consequences are, the results are, being one or the other? Yeah, so the issue here that we have when a person is ritually or ceremonially uh, unclean is that this person cannot participate in the liturgical life of the church. I mean, so that, that's really the issue here. We're not talking about a medical condition. We're not talking about a priest being a medical physician and a priest trying to give you a diagnosis of, hey, uh, you take this pill or you, you do this kind of uh, care and then you can heal up. Uh, instead, we're talking specifically about ritual purity, about this ability to be in the, the presence of God a God who alone is holy and being in this liturgical life. So we're not looking at specific actual sins that created situations in which you cannot participate, 
but just the consequences of being in this fallen world and just the consequences that happen. I mean, when you talk about the bodily just discharges uh, of a woman in uh, uh, pregnancy or you know prior to pregnancy, of course, in the menstrual period, I mean, th- this is a situation where you are not participating in the liturgical life of the church. I mean, in, in a kind of way, you're sitting in time out. Uh, and so here, the, the priest is not a, a medical physician, but he is a priest who's talking about this, are you going to participate in the liturgical life of the congregation? Is this something that will be spread? Uh, you're, you're this, when we're talking about the skin disease, is it something that will be spread to others that will cause others to be in, unclean and incapable of actually participating in his liturgical life? And so in a way, you're kind of, you, we're trying to set people in time out or quarantine uh, so that they would then come back to the regular liturgical practice of, of the church and the people of God. I mean, later on, of course, in the New Testament with the Incarnation, we see Jesus interacting with the lepers. I mean, so when we're talking about the lepers itself, leprosy would be part of this whole uh, kind of umbrella or general topic of a skin disease uh, in particular uh, that, that we're talking about here in chapter 13. And so remember, the, the lepers were the ones who'd have to cry out, unclean, unclean, because if you, you touch someone who is unclean, then you would become ritually or ceremonially unclean and unable to participate in the liturgical life of the congregation, the, the people of God. And so it's God alone who is holy, and God's holiness then covers us, and then that, that allows us to participate in this liturgical life in his promised presence. Um, but so this is going to be the issue of clean and unclean. And even when Jesus will heal a leper, he sends the leper back to the priest so that the priest could look and examine and declare, is this individual now clean to participate in the liturgical life of the congregation? Hmm. So, I mean, we talked about in the previous chapter how with the matter of diet, that it wasn't so much a matter of the health benefits of eating beef versus eating pork, but rather a connection to the liturgical life that God had set. What meat gets set on his table, that's what's fit for the Israelite table at home as well. So the the theological significance of those meats is what's really important. Something similar here, then, that what is most important is that ritual access to God's presence rather than the medical part. Now, I mean, I suppose there is a, a medical there may be some medical benefits about not being around someone who's got a skin disease. That's, there's probably some medical wisdom in that. But the primary purpose, as you're laying it out, is the theological significance, access to God's holiness, and being clean for that purpose. Yes, yes. I mean, right. and this is the whole—when we talk about the ceremonial ritual laws in the Old Testament, it's, it's making a distinction between the people of Israel who have the word of Yahweh, in which Yahweh himself has established his rituals, instituted with his promises, his promises of his presence and holiness. And this is going to distinguish you between the pagans, the Canaanites, who worship without God's word. I mean, that's in essence what idolatry is, is it's a man-made uh, method of trying to make God holy, or, or make God merciful, I should say, or trying to make yourself holy. Uh, but in these man-made systems, you can't do that. So this is a, a distinction between how the pagans worship without God's word, and how the Israelites would then gather in God's presence with God's word and his promises. Hmm. With that background in mind, let's jump into the text. We're looking at Leviticus 13. I'm going to read the first section of the chapter, which deals with the matter of skin diseases that manifest themselves on the body, 
And then we'll pause before we get to the part about diseases, mildew, mold that gets into garments and clothes. So this is Leviticus 13, beginning at verse 1. The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, When a person has on the skin of his body a swelling or an eruption or a spot, and it turns into a case of leprous disease on the skin of his body, then he shall be brought to Aaron the priest or to one of his sons the priests. And the priest shall examine the diseased area on the skin of his body. And if the hair in the diseased area has turned white, and the disease appears to be deeper than the skin of his body, it is a case of leprous disease. When the priest has examined him, he shall pronounce him unclean. But if the spot is white in the skin of his body, and appears no deeper than the skin, and the hair in it has not turned white, the priest shall shut up the diseased person for seven days. And the priest shall examine him on the seventh day, And if in his eyes the disease is checked, and the disease has not spread in the skin, then the priest shall shut him up for another seven days. And the priest shall examine him again on the seventh day, and if the diseased area has faded, and the disease has not spread in the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him clean, it is only an eruption. And he shall wash his clothes and be clean. But if the eruption spreads in the skin, after he has shown himself to the priest for his cleansing, he shall appear again before the priest. And the priest shall look, and if the eruption has spread in the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is a leprous disease. When a man is afflicted with a leprous disease, he shall be brought to the priest, and the priest shall look. And if there is a white swelling in the skin that has turned the hair white, and there is raw flesh in the swelling, it is a chronic leprous disease in the skin of his body, and the priest shall pronounce him unclean. He shall not shut him up, for he is unclean. And if the leprous disease breaks out in the skin, so that the leprous disease covers all the skin of the diseased person from head to foot, so far as the priest can see, then the priest shall look. And if the leprous disease has covered all his body, he shall pronounce him clean of the disease. It has all turned white, and he is clean. But when raw flesh appears on him, he shall be unclean. And the priest shall examine the raw flesh and pronounce him unclean. Raw flesh is unclean, for it is a leprous disease. But if the raw flesh recovers and turns white again, then he shall come to the priest, and the priest shall examine him. And if the disease has turned white, then the priest shall pronounce the diseased person clean, he is clean. If there is in the skin of one's body a boil and it heals, and in the place of the boil there comes a white swelling or a reddish white spot, then it shall be shown to the priest. And the priest shall look, and if it appears deeper than the skin and its hair has turned white, Then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is a case of leprous disease that is broken out in the boil. But if the priest examines it, and there is no white hair in it, and it is not deeper than the skin, but is faded, then the priest shall shut him up for seven days. And if it spreads in the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is a disease. But if the spot remains in one place and does not spread, it is the scar of the boil, and the priest shall pronounce him clean. Or when the body has a burn on its skin, and the raw flesh of the burn becomes a spot, reddish-white or white, the priest shall examine it. And if the hair in the spot has turned white and it appears deeper than the skin, then it is a leprous disease. It is broken out in the burn, and the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is a case of leprous disease. But if the priest examines it, and there is no white hair in the spot, and it is no deeper than the skin, but is faded, the priest shall shut him up for seven days, and the priest shall examine him on the seventh day. If it is spreading in the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is a case of leprous disease. 
But if the spot remains in one place and does not spread in the skin, but is faded, it is a swelling from the burn, and the priest shall pronounce him clean, for it is the scar of the burn. When a man or woman has a disease on the head or the beard, the priest shall examine the disease, and if it appears deeper than the skin, and the hair in it is yellow and thin, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is an itch, a leprous disease of the head or the beard. And if the priest examines the itching disease and appears and it appears no deeper than the skin, and there is no black hair in it, then the priest shall shut up the person with the itching disease for seven days, and on the seventh day the priest shall examine the disease. If the itch has not spread, and there is in it no yellow hair, and the itch appears to be no deeper than the skin, then he shall shave himself, but the itch he shall not shave. And the priest shall shut up the person with the itching disease for another seven days. And on the seventh day, the priest shall examine the itch. And if the itch has not spread in the skin and it appears to be no deeper than the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him clean, and he shall wash his clothes and be clean. But if the itch spreads in the skin after his cleansing, then the priest shall examine him. And if the itch has spread in the skin, the priest not, need not seek for the yellow hair. He is unclean. But if in his eyes the itch is unchanged and the black hair has grown in it, the itch is healed, and he is clean, and the priest shall pronounce him clean. When a man or a woman has spots on the skin of the body, white spots, the priest shall look, and if the spots on the skin of the body are a dull white, it is leucoderma that is broken out in the skin. He is clean. If a man's hair falls out from his head, he is bald, he is clean. And if a man's hair falls out from his forehead, he has baldness of the forehead, he is clean. But if there is on the bald head or the bald forehead, a reddish-white diseased area. It is a leprous disease breaking out on his bald head or his bald forehead. Then the priest shall examine him. And if the disease swelling is reddish-white on his bald head or on his bald forehead, like the appearance of leprous disease in the skin of the body, he is a leprous man, he is unclean. The priest must pronounce him unclean, his disease is on his head. The leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes, and let the hair of his head hang loose, and he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, Unclean, unclean! He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean, he shall live alone, his dwelling place shall be outside the camp. That takes us through verse 46 of Leviticus chapter 13, dealing with diseases in the skin of the body. The rest of the chapter is going to talk about clothing. All right, Pastor Kachelmeyer, there's a lot of material there. A lot of things where I wish there were pictures by this. You kind of wonder if there was a medical... I mean, I know it's not medical, but you kind of wonder if they ever drew the pictures so that you could have the diagram. I'm picturing my biology textbooks now. But help us get a, a handle on this chapter. There's a, there's a lot here. Kind of break it down for us. Well, you know, what, what's interesting here is the whole book of Leviticus is that it gives to us these kind of, these ritual ceremonial rules and regulations for the priest, so that the priest would know who is clean or unclean, who is pure or impure, who can participate in the liturgical life of the church. I mean, this is the old Levitical priesthood of the Old Testament. Uh, thanks be to God that in the New Testament, as uh, successors to the apostles and the, the preaching office, uh, pastors don't have to go through all of this. I mean, it would, right. uh, 
I, I, I'm in a, a different time and age, and it would be most uh, difficult to be in the Old Testament time for me. I mean, a lot of this this bloody mess of a sacrifice and blood everywhere. I mean, you, you're 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 dealing with the real oozy goozy uh, ugliness of sin and the consequences of sin. And so here with this whole skin disease, again, this is not a medical physician. So he's not trying to examine and look for the symptoms and identify, okay, this is what we have here. It's a medical condition. I'm going to prescribe for you some kind of a medication. But instead, it's a he's trying to certify the disease. Is this a disease that has the decay of the flesh? I mean, so that's the, the whole issue here, that the deeper, the wound is deeper into the flesh because it, it's something very unique. It is showing that decay of the body that's not supposed to happen until death. I mean, so when you die, the body goes back into the ground. Adam, of course, was formed from the dust of the earth, from the ground, and then to that dust he returns. And when you go back into the ground, this is when you start to decay and your body starts to fall apart. But there's something definitely different here where that body is already decaying while you're still walking. I mean, in a way, you can define life as still moving. Uh, death is when you stop moving. And now all of a sudden, your body is falling apart as if you had stopped moving. So this is going to be the big issue, that the priest is going to look at this, and he's going to, he's going to know what the symptoms are, because notice that this is spoken specifically to, to Moses, who's the prophet, uh, and then to Aaron as the one who is the head priest. And so therefore, all of the successors to Aaron in this Levitical priesthood uh, are going to have this word from Moses so that they know, first of all, what the symptoms are so that they can then examine. So you have the written word. And I think this is one of these important aspects of the purpose of the written word is that you can be certain and sure for posterity's sake of what Moses said. So God gives this word to Moses, and then for generations on, you have the written word of Moses. So it's not just the opinion of the priest or just his, uh, his guess at what maybe this should be, but you have the written word because it's the role and responsibility of the Levitical priest to, to be the depository of this written word, to be certain and sure that they are following God's word and not to somebody else's word. And that's yeah. always going to be so, the issue in the Old Testament, yeah. Well, so if, if I go to the priest with a with one of these you know possible skin diseases, having that written word from Moses assures me that the priest will examine me according to what God has said, and not according to whether or not he likes me or not, and maybe wants to put me away for a couple of weeks and in quarantine. Exactly, if, you're right, right. Yeah. Yeah, so that he just he he's trying to get rid of you or something. He's going to put you in time out for seven days because he doesn't want you participating with the rest of the people of God. Uh, so that it's that certainty, that assurance that this is God's word, and it's not just the opinion of of the priest. And he's just uh, discriminating against you because he's got a grudge against you or something like that. So it's yeah. a duty of the priest to follow God's word, that written word. Yeah. And so that's why the word is then sped out. It's just, it's stated. I mean, so when we read this in our day and age, it seems very strange to us. It's very foreign. I mean, why are we reading all this stuff about skin disease? But you, you look at this pattern that you have kind of upfront this statement of the symptom. Okay, these are the symptoms. So now the priest has this, so he knows. Then the priest is going to examine this. 
and then he's going to identify, does this match up with the symptoms that are in the written word that God has said? And then the priest can make a, a, a certification of whether or not this person is, is in this case of a, a skin disease that's deteriorating the skin, uh, that is that decay in the body before death, so that it enables the priest to make that declaration of, of the ritual significance of, is this individual clean or unclean, uh, pure or impure? Can this individual participate in the life of the church? And so you even have the situation where the priest will look at this and say, okay, we're going to put you in isolation for uh, seven days, and we're going to quarantine you, and then we're going to check up again to make sure that you are enabled to participate in, in God's presence. I mean, because this, again, it's not about me and my desires and what I want to do, and I want to just go straight into the holiness of God on my own effort or my own uh, merit, but it's God who is, is inviting us into his holiness, but he's also teaching us that there is sin that separates us from God's holiness. And in particular, again, the issue here is not actual sin. I mean, like, for instance, any kind of ailments in the body, when the body's not working the way it should, like uh, when Jesus heals the blind man uh, in, in John chapter 9, you know, the question, of course, is, well, what, who, who sinned? Was it this guy's parents or this man that caused his blindness? Okay, the, the ailments that we have in the body itself, if, if the eyes are not working the way they should, you can't see, the ears are not way, working the way they should, you can't hear, the mouth is not working, the tongue is not working, so you cannot talk, or the, your legs are paralyzed. I mean, these are ailments in the body that is always going to show forth the condition we have because of original sin. So it's not a one-to-one -one correlation of actual sin, what did you do to have these consequences per se? But it's just, it's showing forth the manifestation of original sin itself, and how we are in the state of living in a corrupted creation, where even our bodies are corrupted. So this, this way in particular, in this type of skin disease, it is showing that in a very unique way, that the body is literally falling apart. I mean, it's, it's just, it, it's the, the laceration, it's deep. So this is not just a regular cut, it's not just an infection. What it is, is it's the skin decaying and deteriorating before the, the eyes of the priest. So that's going to be the key here, uh, is that it's this ceremonial ritual law in accordance with God's Word. So it's not like the pagans, who have their own man-made methods of how they can make God merciful, but it's God who is merciful, and He gives to us His instructions, His institution, that this is the way that you draw into my presence, and this is the reality that we have to face with original sin, which is always going to point to us for the need of a Savior, one who will take upon flesh and blood Himself. So, I mean, in, in this passage, I think what's very key is the skin itself. I mean, so you have the flesh, the body, but you have the skin, and that is the significance of needing God himself to come incarnate, the God-man, to take upon flesh, to take upon skin, and even in his skin to be wounded, and in his skin even touching a leper. Uh, you know, this would be unclean, this would be forbidden, you don't want to interact with the leper because then you would be Come unclean and unable to participate in liturgical life, but you have God himself in the flesh can touch a leper, and God himself, who is holy, doesn't become unholy. Uh, God himself in the flesh, Jesus, uh, does not, he does not become unclean. Instead, he makes clean. He yeah. makes holy. 
Uh, so I, I think what's really unique about this chapter with the skin is that significance of the skin and the decay leading to death, but it's death kind of already manifesting itself before it even takes place. But it's that need that we cannot save ourselves from our own sin. We cannot save ourselves from our own condition. We cannot free ourselves. We cannot free ourselves from death itself. So this is the whole issue here with this significance of this skin disease, this pattern of what the, the priest is doing. But you, you have this connection between the skin itself and the head. Well, let's let's save that. Let's let's make that connection to the head on the other side of the break because there's a pretty key key thing that happens toward the end of the section that we've read where the disease shows up on the head and that escalates things. So let's let's pick that more, up more on the other side of the break. You're listening to Sharper Iron on KFUO. We're talking to Pastor Brian Katchelmeyer this morning. We'll be right back. Please stick around. Who does Lutheran Church Extension Fund serve, you ask? It's simple. We serve Lutheran Church Missouri Synod ministries and church workers with loans and ministry services. And it's faithful Lutherans like you, church members and church workers alike, investing with LCEF that makes it possible for LCEF to serve these ministries. Learn more at lcef.org. LCF is a nonprofit religious organization. Therefore, LCF investments are not FDIC insured bank deposit accounts. This is not an offer to sell investments or solicitation to buy. LCF will offer and sell its securities only in states where authorized. The offer is made solely by LCF's offering circular. Investors should carefully read the offering circular, which more fully describes associated risks. Welcome back to Sharper Iron. It is Monday, September 11th. We're studying Leviticus chapter 13, verses 1 to 59 with the Reverend Dr. Brian Ketchelmeyer. He serves as a teacher for Wittenberg Academy. Pastor Ketchelmeyer, prior to the break, you were talking about the significance of the skin diseases described here in Leviticus 13. Toward the end of that section in which these diseases show up on the skin, the Lord gives to Moses and Aaron a particular case where that disease starts to show up on the head and things escalate. So to talk about the significance now of the disease beginning to show up on the head, what's prescribed there, and again, the importance of all this. Yeah, so when we're talking about the, the skin decaying, I mean, you have like a laceration in your arm or on your leg or something to that effect, but, but it escalates, as you say, when it gets to the head. And so I think that this is theologically significant throughout the whole of scriptures that we understand the connection between the head and the body. I mean, it's the head from which everything uh, flows for the benefit of the body. That, that's how it's supposed to work. I mean, it's the head through which you, you breathe, you know, you take oxygen through your nose and your mouth, it's for the sake of the body. It, it's the head that sees things, it perceives things through your eyes, it hears things, it learns things with your mind. The head is that which takes in the food uh, that you need to sustain the body. I mean, so the significance of the head is always the head is in service to the body. This is how the, the gifts flow from the head to the body. Uh, and, and I think that this is very significant when later on we, we look in particular about the imagery of Christ in the church. Uh, Christ himself is the head, the church is the body. Uh, so if the head is holy, 
the body is holy. And so all the good benefits flow from the head. You know, Christ gives up his life for the, the church to cleanse his bride. And so you even have the imagery of husband and wife and male headship, that the husband is there to be of service to his wife as the head serves the body. So that's the proper flow of things, uh, that the head, again, takes in all the goodness, gifts, and then distributes that to the body for the sake of the body so that the body can be healthy and alive. And so now things escalate when it's from the head that the body is decaying. I mean, so, you, you know, you're going to have a situation where somebody is balding, okay? So, you know, we, we live in a fallen world, and so sometimes your head, uh, you have problems with your hair falling out, right? But, but the, the, the key here is the priest is going to determine, is this just merely the understanding of living in a fallen world where your head's falling out, or is this, this, this skin disease that's showing a decay, that laceration, that underneath the flesh, it's lower into the flesh, that decay of the body before you're even dying. And so if it is, that's the problem. So it's not just merely if you have hair falling out, so it doesn't mean that being bald itself makes you unclean, but now you want to you wanna make sure with the priest, is this just regular baldness because of we live in a fallen world and hair is falling out, or is this the specific skin disease that's causing the hair to fall out? And if it is, then, then you get a problem here, because now all of a sudden you have this, this situation where from the head, the whole body, now it just it, it kind of just escalates, as you say, so that now you have to go around in the sense as if you are mourning in death, uh, so that when somebody dies, you, uh, you, you don't keep your hair, uh, clean or, or combed, shall I say. Uh, your hair is a mess. And so this is the idea of now you're in a situation of, of mourning death. So you realize that death is upon this individual, death in a very unique way with the skin disease. And so you identify the person with, of course, the hair not being kept up, and then the individual saying, unclean, unclean. Making that announcement with the mouth, Okay, from the head itself declaring to others so that others would not be infected with this. And so it's escalating to the fact that now you're not just merely in timeout or quarantine for seven days or maybe a second round of seven days, but now you are to go and dwell outside the camp. Okay, uh, this is where we get this whole concept of a, of a colony of lepers, or you know, when Jesus is going around and the lepers are coming to Jesus because they know that Jesus is the one who heals in the body. It's by His wounds that we are healed, and the lepers are just drawn to Jesus because He, in the flesh, is going to heal the flesh that is seen in these skin diseases to be completely in a situation of decay and death the impending consequences of sin, which separates us from God. So now all of a sudden you have the, the classic understanding of the New Testament, where the leper walks around saying, unclean, unclean, so everybody kind of gets out of the presence of the leper. Uh, and so you don't want to even interact with the leper, because then you would become ritually unclean, and because it's escalated, it might come to your head and upon your body. And so again, the idea is that head infecting the body, and so in particular here, you're infecting the entire body body of believers, and so you, you separate them out into kind of a colony or outside the camp into a, 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 a location where they are dislocated from the rest of the people of God. So, I mean, this is escalating here with the head, but I, I think it's important, again, to understand that connection between the head and the body, which always points us to the need of Jesus 
who is the head, and the church is the body. And it's from the holiness of Jesus that the body is made holy. He sanctifies us. He cleanses us. He washes us. He, he makes us uh, clean in his presence. He takes away all the blemishes, all the things that are problematic with these skin diseases that bring decay and bring death. Yeah, I mean, the, the words of, of Paul in Ephesians 5, where he's, he's talking about marriage, but he's also talking about Christ and the church, and the way that Christ is the one who, who presents his bride without blemish or spot, without any defect. She is completely pure, clean, because he is the head. That, I think, is a fantastic connection to make to Christ here from Leviticus 13. When Christ is our head, he is the Holy One. He then makes his body, his church, he makes us holy. It's a fantastic connection to Christ here in Leviticus 13. Now, the rest of the chapter is going to deal with the matter of leprous diseases, as the ESV translates it, these diseases that show up now in garments. So I'm going to go ahead and read the rest of the, the chapter, and we can talk then about how the skin diseases that climax and the one that shows up on the head, how that then affects clothing and why that gets attached to this chapter. So this now is Leviticus 13, beginning at verse 47. When there is a case of leprous disease in a garment, whether a woolen or a linen garment, in warp or woof of linen or wool, or in a skin or in anything made of skin, if the disease is greenish or reddish in the garment, or in the skin or in the warp or the woof, or in any article made of skin, it is a case of leprous disease, and it shall be shown to the priest. And the priest shall examine the disease and shut up that which has the disease for seven days. Then he shall examine the disease on the seventh day. If the disease has spread in the garment, in the warp or the woof, or in the skin, whatever be the use of the skin, the disease is a persistent leprous disease, it is unclean. And he shall burn the garment, or the warp or the woof, the wool or the linen, or any article made of skin that is diseased, for it is a persistent leprous disease, it shall be burned in the fire. And if the priest examines, and if the disease has not spread in the garment, in the warp or the woof, or in any article made of skin, then the priest shall command that they wash the thing in which is the disease, and he shall shut it up for another seven days. And the priest shall examine the diseased thing after it has been washed. And if the appearance of the diseased area has not changed, though the, though the disease has not spread, it is unclean. You shall burn it in the fire, whether the rot is on the back or on the front. But if the priest examines, and if the diseased area has faded after it has been washed, he shall tear it out of the garment or the skin or the warp or the woof. Then if it appears again in the garment, in the warp or the woof, or in any article made of skin, it is spreading. You shall burn with fire whatever has the disease. But the garment, or the warp, or the woof, or any article made of skin from which the disease departs when you have washed it, shall then be washed a second time and be clean. This is the law for a case of leprous disease in a garment of wool or linen, either in the warp or the woof, or in any article made of skin, to determine whether it is clean or unclean. That's the rest of the chapter that takes us through Leviticus 13, verse 59. So, Pastor Kachelmeyer, talk about clothing. Why is clothing related to this matter of diseases in, in skin and on the head? Yeah, no, this is uh, great, because we, we have to go back to the whole understanding of where did clothing begin. And you go back to the Garden of Eden, and remember, before the fall into sin, before we inherited sin from Adam and Eve, I mean, originally we were created in the image and likeness of God, 
but after the fall into sin, we are now conceived and born in the image and likeness of Adam, uh, the, rebel the rebellious one. And, and so when you're in the garden, they were naked and they were uh, not ashamed. Okay, everything was good. But when the devil deceived Eve and uh, she was tempted into uh, doubting God's word and she fell into it, she took what was not hers, she, she decided to be like God and determined with her own eyes that it was good for eating, and she ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and of course death comes in. And so when we talk about death there, on the day you eat, you shall surely die, uh, remember that we're talking about three types of death. You have a physical death, you have a spiritual death, and you have an eternal death. And that, uh, that spiritual death, of course, is then when you, you lose faith, you lose uh, complete knowledge uh, of God and, and uh, the salvation that he brings and his goodness and his grace. You, uh, you end up with physical death, the body goes back into the ground, and of course, if you stay in that state of unbelief, unrepentance, without faith, you end up in eternal death. I mean, so this whole understanding of death goes back to the Garden of Eden, where originally Adam and Eve were naked and not ashamed. And so the first thing that they do is they try to hide from God. And when they try to hide from God, what they do is they try to hide their shame uh, with clothing. I mean, so in a sense, clothing is like another skin besides the skin that God created and gave to man and, and a woman, that God created us with skin on our bodies, but this is the whole uh, point of, of the infection of original sin now goes through the entire body. And so the issue that Adam and Eve are trying to do is cover up their guilt. And this becomes the very first act of idolatry. I mean, again, what idolatry is, it's not merely statue worship, but it is worship without God's word. So God did not instruct Eve to make the clothing out of fig leaves. And so this is the first act of idolatry where Eve is going to make clothing out of fig leaves to try to cover up the skin, uh, to try to cover up the guilt and the shame, and then they're going to hide in the bushes, if you will. But God is the one who, of course, calls them out, you know, where are you? It's not a question of God not knowing where they are, but it's a question of meditation, contemplation, where God is inviting them into a conversation, where God then gives them the promise of salvation in the seed of the woman is going to crush the serpent's head. But it's here where then that man-made system, or specifically a woman-made system, you know, if with this whole garment because of the situation with Eve, man takes responsibility, of course, but God then replaces that second skin that is man-made, trying to take creation and trying to cover up their fall, and God gives them animal skins. So God gives them his way of covering their sin and guilt. And the animal skins, of course, is going to show forth the whole reality of death. Sin brings death. And so it shows forth the substitutionary atonement, that sin is going to bring physical death, uh, spiritual death, and ultimately eternal death. But the promise of God is that which gives the gift of life uh, physically, sustaining you uh, and giving you spiritual life, and of course, ultimately eternal life by giving you the gift of faith. And so it's in the skin of the animal that you understand this substitutionary atonement, that in your stead, another has to die. So all of the animal sacrifices throughout the Old Testament is pointing towards this vicarious substitutionary atonement of Christ. And so in order for Christ to come and take our place and die in our stead, he has to take upon skin. 
He has to take upon flesh, and it's his flesh in his body that he hangs upon the cross. It's in his body, it's upon his head, that the thorns are pierced uh, into his brow so that the blood will bleed, and his arms his are beaten, his hands are pierced, his feet are pierced. I mean, he's bruised, he's bloodied in the body to be the one who would die in our stead in the vicarious atonement, that in that substitutionary atonement, he would make satisfaction for our sin, that brings separation with God. And so with this, this garment, this covering, it's like, a second, uh, it's like a second skin. And so now not only do you have the understanding of the decay that's in the body, in your flesh, but now you're kind of going even further, this decay in a garment that you're trying to cover your body with, that's showing a decay and death that shouldn't be there in, in this clothing. Yeah. So, I, and I, I can't approach God on my own righteousness or my own holiness. So to come before him in clothing that shows this death within it is to, I mean, to go back into what Adam and Eve tried to do in the garden when they made clothes for themselves, they tried to cover themselves. God will not have that. So he deals with the matter of clothing here. You come in clean clothing and get rid of the unclean clothing so that they can instead receive the holiness that he has for them rather than inventing their own. Yes, exactly. And so then ultimately we see this in the New Testament in the gift of holy baptism. I mean, so all of the, the ritual ceremonial uh, uh, laws that we have in the Old Testament, where God institutes sacraments of the Old Testament, we have something far greater with holy baptism. So that it's in holy baptism that we are actually united in the death and resurrection of Christ. We are crucified with Christ. We are are buried with Christ. We are raised with Christ in our bodies. So our bodies are actually tied to Christ. They are united with Christ. And so the imagery in the New Testament of baptism is not only the being united in his death, that we've died with Christ, and we died to sin, and then we rise again to newness of life, but also the imagery of baptism in the New Testament is that we've been clothed with Christ. So we are clothed with his righteousness. So we are clothed with his skin. I mean, we are closed with this whole incarnate one who comes in the flesh, who comes there to dwell for us, who comes to take our sin upon him. Uh, our guilt, it weighs down upon his body on the cross. But so now we are clothed with the righteousness of Christ in baptism. We have that robe of righteousness, the garments of salvation, and it's being covered by Jesus. So we are in him, we're covered by him, because he's the one who has done this for us. It's not something that we have done to gain access into God's holiness and his presence, but it's what Christ has done for us to go as our mediator and high priest. That's the whole point of the ascension, that not only did Jesus die for our sin, uh, not only did he rise again for our righteousness, but now he's ascended. He is our mediator with God. The one mediator between God and man is Christ Jesus. So he now stands in the flesh uh, so that we would have access to the Father in the Holy Spirit now and into eternity. And so the, the clothes that we wear before God actually do matter, the clothes that he gives to us in holy baptism. Just thinking about the, this chapter in Leviticus and the, the importance of, you know, which clothes are clean and unclean. My mind in the New Testament went to the, the parable, I think it's in Matthew 22, and I forget if it's usually called the parable of the wedding feast, but where the, the king throws a feast and, and ultimately the people that get there aren't the first ones he invited. 
but you have at, at the feast, there's that one guest who's wearing his own clothes, and they come and ask, well, where are your wedding clothes? And he's not wearing them. And I, I think this matter of, you know, which clothes do you wear to approach God, yes. those that are given in holy baptism, that, that, that all connects. Yeah, exactly. So is, is it the clothes of Adam and Eve where they make the fig leaves, which is their own method to approach God, to cover their own sin, or is it the clothing that God gives as a gift in which he obtains salvation for us in the, the vicarious atonement? And so is it being clothed in the righteousness of Jesus, or is it being clothed in our own self-righteousness, where we think we're right in our own sight? So yeah, the, the wedding uh, feast and the wedding garments, I mean, I was just at a wedding on a Sunday, and you know, in our day, you just show up with, you say, okay, are we dressing formal? Are we dressing casual? You know, what are we doing? So they don't, uh, at least in our day, the weddings I've been to, they don't give out garments for the wedding, you know? And so when you read that, it might seem strange to us in our culture, in our society, in our day, but it's this understanding of the Old Testament where it's the, the wedding and the appropriate clothing to have access to this wedding feast. And so when you have the one who's bringing his own clothing, he doesn't have the garments of the wedding, but his own garments that he's trying to approach in that presence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Pastor Ketchelmeyer, we have about six minutes here on the morning, and you've you've mentioned several New Testament examples already of, of cases where people will come to Jesus. So thinking about what we've looked at here, these skin diseases, matters of clothing, what are some, some other scriptural examples that, that come to mind that we might consider? And then as we start to wrap things up, help us to keep making these connections to Christ from Leviticus 13. Well, I think that in the Old Testament, I mean, one of the keys here is that that understanding of trying to gain access to God's presence on your own uh, initiative. So it's it's your imagination of what you think is going to be right with God, what you think is going to be pleasing to God. And you see this in particular, like, for instance, in Second Chronicles chapter 26, where King Uzziah then decides, okay, I'm going to worship in my own way because I think this is what's going to make God happy. So he goes in and he tries to go into the temple, and he tries to burn the incense on the altar. Okay, so he, he's going to go up to the temple, he's going to burn the incense on the altar. He is, he, he's transgressing what his vocation is. This is the vocation of the priest, of Aaron and his sons, the Levitical priest who are to do these duties at the temple, at the altar. But Uzziah himself wants to do it his way, and so you have, uh, of course, Azariah, the priest, uh, you know, going in after him and saying, hey, don't do this, but the King Uzziah is going to do it anyway. And so what happens when King Uzziah does this is there's this outbreak of leprosy upon him. And so this is the whole, this imagery, again, of the head and the body. Uh, he has this censer in his hand. He goes there, and he's just going to do it his own way, and he's the head. But now the leprosy breaks out on his forehead. And so now that makes his body unclean. And so as a king who is to be God's representative on earth, I mean, what's he doing to the whole rest of the people of God? Now he's bringing this sin and this corruption in the flesh upon the whole body of believers uh, who are to be there in the presence of God at the temple. So it's kind of like this fitting um, uh, punishment, if you will, or consequence for his desire to 
walk into God's presence, to do the things that are not his to do, and to act like one of the Levitical priests offering up the incense at the altar. And so then at the, uh, with the leprosy, now the king has to be separated. <laughs> so now he's excluded from the house of Yahweh. So uh, here the king is going to say, I'm going to do things my way, and I'm going to go into God's presence on my initiative in the way that I think God will be happy with. And then the consequence is, very clearly, God is not happy with this. This is not accordance with God's Word. This is a man-made method. And so now he is going to be not only just set in time out for seven days, but now he's going to be separated as the king, uh, which is just kind of a complete a shameful thing. You know, here's the king is yeah. separated from the liturgical life of the people of God. Yeah, yeah. The the example of the Old Testament, and, and we recently had this one at summer during VBS here, the example of, of Naaman, I think, is another another one that comes to mind. Someone who thought he was going to approach God in a certain way, he got mad when he couldn't approach God in the way that he wanted, but then the Lord was gracious and, and gave him a messenger that said, hey, listen to the word, right, and he received right. healing from his leprosy. Uh, we got about we got about three minutes here, Pastor Ketchelmeyer. If you want to talk about Naaman, that's great. Help us to connect to Christ as well, and, and help us to wrap things up on Leviticus 13 this morning. Well, again, the key here is always going to be Jesus. I mean, so when you have the king, kings in the Old Testament are to depict Jesus, who is the king of creation. I mean, he's the king of the universe, he's the king of the conscience. Uh, Jesus is the king of kings. And so whenever you see a king in the Old Testament, he's to be God's representative on earth, he's to be the one who gives the good gifts as head to the people. I mean, head to the people, to the body. Uh, same thing whenever you see a priest. A priest in the Old Testament is going to act as the mediator uh, between God and God's people, bringing God's people into God's presence, praying on their behalf. And so this, of course, depicts Jesus, who is the, tree, the true high priest, is the one that we're waiting for. And same thing with the prophet. So you, you talk about Naaman going to the prophet. I mean, so you have the prophet in that prophetic office, that Jesus is the, the Word incarnate. I mean, he is the prophet of prophets is a true prophet. And again, from that word that is heard from the mouth, it then takes over onto the whole body. So the whole body hears that word of holiness that Jesus alone can speak. So, I mean, all these, when you go out of order, you go out of disorder because of this chaotic world that's falling apart, uh, you, you continue in sin. But God is always trying to point us back to his king, and his king is ultimately going to be Jesus. To his priest, ultimately, is going to be Jesus. To his prophet, it's going to be Jesus. These are the ones that are going to bring you back into God's presence. Uh, these are the ones who are going to give you the blessing of God's holiness. These, these are the ones who show you Jesus, who is the only one who can overcome sin, the only one who can overcome death, the only one that can heal us in our bodies and heal us in this decay in the bodies and death itself when we go down to the ground. Um, he's the one who went into the dust of the earth, and he's the one who returns again so that we have the promise when we go down in the dust of the earth and our bodies do eventually decay there, that we have the promise of being raised again in Christ. The Reverend Dr. Brian Ketchelmeyer is a teacher for Wittenberg Academy. He has been helping us today to study Leviticus chapter 13, verses 1 to 59. Pastor Ketchelmeyer, thanks for being our guest today. Oh, it's been great to be here. I'm your host here on Sharper Iron, Pastor Timothy Apple of Faith Lutheran Church in Godfrey, Illinois. If you have any questions about Leviticus 13, send an email to kfuo at kfuo.org. It is always a pleasure to hear from you. Thanks for spending the morning with us. Talk to you again tomorrow. <laughs>